The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And right now we are going to discuss this crazy Thursday night football game. And if you're listening on everything that's not last word on ProFootball.com and their blog talk radio service, you're going to get two things cut uh, separately. You're, this What we're about to do, the Thursday night football breakdown, is a separate show. And then you'll have to go find, if you subscribe to Football to the Max feed, you don't have to do anything. They're both right there. W2 Network feed, same thing. Uh, Wherever you listen to us on, uh, they both show up right there. You get this 20, 30-minute thing that we're about to do. And then you get the rest of the week week three preview with uh, also some college picks and everything else. So, well, Eric... uh, we might as well just go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. Color rush jerseys. You said if there was a hint of yellow, you, you were gonna you were gonna do something. What's mm-hmm. up with this? What's up with this? Now you like this yellow? Okay. First of all, yes. I sit before you a hypocrite. I'll take that one. But in my defense. What did I always say that outraged me about the gold? Not the yellow, but the gold. They went with the blue and white helmets. What do they do with the color rush uniforms? They go to the blue and yellow helmets from the late 70s all the way through the early 2000s and the beginnings of the greatest show on turf. That is acceptable. Thus, save for the design. But that's on the, still St. Louis, though. That's part part of that's still St. Louis. Yeah, but the majority of the time it was in L.A. It was much more L.A. or specifically Anaheim than it was St. Louis. That's different. <sighs> I think that's such a cop out. Hey, hey! I, that's why I said, aside from the design on the sleeves. I liked it, and did I not come out and say that, yes, I'm a hypocrite? You did. 
You did. I'm. I'm still saying. I think it's. I think it's a cop out. But uh, regardless, those yellow jerseys are very, very nice uh, for the Rams. And hey, not too shabby for the 49ers either, on the on the black and red. Uh, so let's let's not talk about jerseys though. Let's talk about this game that I think before we started. And I'm sure you're going to hear this on every other freaking show you listen to, and TV shows, and recap shows on ESPN and NFL Network and whatever else. That coming into this, I don't think it was as bad as what everybody was say- what we were all saying with Houston and Cincinnati. But we weren't. We were certainly not expecting the highest-scoring Thursday night football game in its history, 41-39, that happened on this evening here between two division rivals. And that's what you got. It felt like you're watching the greatest show on turf again uh, with with two teams going at it. So, I, I mean, Erica, th- this turned out to be one fantastic game. You you can't say ever again that Thursday Night Football always sucks after you watch this. Agreed. And thank you, Robbie Gould, for missing an extra point, forcing the Niners to go for two, and costing me even more fantasy points. You know how good it feels to have Todd Gurley rack up 35 in FanDuel and have Carlos Hyde put up such a big night only to realize that there were more? Shame on you, Robbie. Shame on you. Yeah, uh, that's that really sucks because I think that's also what did him in with the Giants last year is he didn't miss field goals, but he missed extra points. And technically, the extra points are now a field goal; they're not really an extra point anymore. Uh, so, you know, semantics, but that that hurts you. That sucks. But honestly, if if you're looking at it from let let's take this one extra point out of the way. Okay. If you're the 49ers and you're the Rams here. Where's the defense at from the 49ers? Because uh, have, have have we not seen what the Niners did on defense? I mean, hell, even they Car- held the Seahawks to 12 points. I mean, yeah, but Carolina got to the 20s. The same Carolina team that won nine three. Again, look, look, it's a week-to-week league, and we're talking about division rivals, so you, you should be keying in on them a lot more. But let's look at this from from both sides. You know, Brian Hoyer started out the worst possible way you can start out. Bare fingertips on a leg from it being a pick six to open the game but wound up being a three-yard touchdown for Todd Gurley right after that. So, bang, bang, you're already down seven. Credit to them, though, for continually just this was the the storyline of the game. The Rams would go up, and the 49ers would come right back, or if not, it'd be another series, and they'd come right back. So, this... it. I th- obviously for the Rams, there's there's defensive players that stand out, but this was certainly an offensive game, and Todd Gurley had one of his best games that we've seen from him in a long time. Three touchdowns, 36 yards passing. A one of those touchdowns I mentioned is a receiving touchdown. 
goes over 100 yards rushing. I had him in one of my fantasy leagues. I was pretty happy to start off a Thursday with that. Yeah, I, I had him in one of my daily fantasy, one of my FanDuel lineups. Huge plus. I had Carlos Hyde in one of my other fantasy, or in my more season-long fantasy games, and I went against Todd Gurley, so win some, lose some in that regard. But, I mean, let's think about this. First Ram running back to score three touchdowns and a half since Marshall Falk, and this is the highest three-game scoring start to a Rams season since 2000. I did not see this coming. Yeah, I mean, it, it also helps to play the Colts week one. But, you know, this is a, there was also a stat with the 49ers that in the last, what, uh, 22 games, they were 3-0 and against the Rams and 0-19 and against everybody else. Yeah, so, not to mention their streak against the Rams was like 7-1-1. One, and one. Yeah, it's just, it, yeah, you're right about that. But it's, this is a, a new year, correct, for, for if you're looking for, for all of this. Of course, the storyline also between the coaches with uh, two the two youngest coaches in the league pretty much going against each other. It's crazy that Sean McVay's freaking 31. He's our age. Yeah, he's exactly our age. And I remember not too long ago, there was another coach that was like 35, and people were saying, oh, he's he's too young. The players won't respect him. And all that matters, honestly, is that you win. Exactly. Lane Kiffin did a teeny bit with Oakland. Let's not even get started on Josh Daniels and what happened in Denver with Tim Tebow. This is just a completely different animal. Yeah, it's it's not just a completely different animal. It's a almost, you could say, a completely different offensive team, period. Just I don't know that this team this team looks nothing like the team you saw last year, and this game I think cemented that here. Uh, it, it does make a difference. Obviously, Jared Goff's numbers are going to be inflated by the fact that he really never got pressured. Uh, he went what twenty two to twenty eight, uh, mm-hmm. went over the or got really close to three hundred yards. He threw all the touchdowns, finally got the connection with Sammy Watkins going. Robert Woods went off in this game 108 yards. I mean, everybody pretty much almost had a field day if you're a Ram uh, against the 49ers here. But, uh, you know, 49ers also. Uh, Brian Horror goes over 300 yards. Pierre Garçon went, had, a, had himself a day. Brian Horror was figuring out how to throw that deep ball. And yeah, the rant, it's, they, those those guys were just making some awesome, play, you know, between Goodwin and and Garcon. But I think for me is outside of the thing that stands out, obviously the extra point is what is there points wise. But the way that 
the Rams came and scored their points, right? You're running it with Gurley. You're passing it to Gurley. He's getting touchdowns. You're getting defensive plays, whether it's the interception, the fumble that gets forced, even though it's technically like Hyde running into his own lineman that causes that. But still, and it was an all-team effort for the most part. And then you have, on the other end, the the 49ers doing the same thing. I mean, miracle, like, pickups and recovering fumbles, recovering a muffed punt, recovering the onside kick that bounced off of a 149ers helmet. Mm. It, it, wow. And again, you had, it's like, they tried to do running back by committee, but Carlos Hyde proved why he's the number one guy. Let's just say, I don't know how many times in that game I saw a receiver just drag their toes along inside to stay in bounds and make these catches. I said it before, I'm saying it now. This is the Brian Hoyer we saw in Cleveland. Yeah, and it's the... uh, Shanahan had to win two challenges on those those dragging the toes. Uh, one by Garcon, and then the one later in the game by, uh, is it, one Garcon to get him, I think it was Goodwin on that one. And, what's, I, I think, obviously what hurts too, is the, the failed two point conversion. But I will say, that offensive pass interference, that they called on Taylor, was just, really soft. I, I mean, Admittedly, from the angles that they showed, I didn't see anything there. If they could have shown an angle from more where the referee was standing, I could have possibly made a a judgment call of my own. But given everything and all of the data that was afforded to me, I saw nothing on that one. Nothing. I agree with you. It's just... All I saw was like an arm dangle there. I didn't see him push. I didn't really see him do anything. But uh, them's the breaks sometimes. Uh, yeah, even... and the fact that he had to extend to reach the ball, that was catchable for him. In a technical sense, the DB still had right and opportunity, but it was just uncatchable for that DB. Yeah, and then it's just... You throw in Aaron Donald was just having a ridiculous game, pressuring, wreaking havoc on that offensive line. Throw in the rest of the linemen who also had sacks. Hoyer had to deal with having pressure, and uh, at times he one of the one of the touchdowns or one of the first downs he makes, he almost gets his head taken off and is still mm-hmm. able to make the throw. Uh, so it's like you said, I, I think it's it's it obviously depends right on you're having to throw the ball more because your team is down. He's there's a he's a lot more pumped up here than say in these other games where week one is is what it was. Uh, the game against the Seahawks that's always one of those tough games uh, for the 49ers. They play each other tough. 
And, yeah, credit to him for stepping up here. But uh, it, to me, it uh, it comes down to mistakes, right, as well as, like, Cooper shouldn't be fumbling. Cooper no. shouldn't have taken the ball out of the end zone. No. At that point. Uh, so that fumble really shouldn't have happened. The onside kick, I wonder if the Rams might have thought that they might just not go for the onside kick there and weren't paying attention. But great play, no matter what, on that one to get the onside kick. Just unfortunate that they at least didn't get to force overtime or get closer to to get the win just from what they did to get there. So credit to them, but also uh, credit to the, the Rams for just having a fantastic game and Gurley putting it away along with Aaron Donald. Yeah, I've said it countless occasions. Offensive games always end on a big defensive play. Aaron Donald, say what you will about the holdout and everything else. He put his money where his mouth was. And he put his play where he wants his money to be. Yeah, exactly. He keeps having games like that. They're going to have no recourse but to pay the man. Unless they want him to go somewhere else, which that would not be in their best interest. And I think we can't leave the game without talking about the ridiculous Watkins grab for that 50-yard catch that he gets from Goff, the Willie Mays comparison, all that stuff. That was that was awesome. From both guys forgot to throw it where only he could catch it. And then he has to make an adjustment. It doesn't go straight on. He has to make a turn to where that ball goes to then catch it you know, over well, his body like he does. Well, it's a Watkins. What do you expect? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. This uh, certainly, if you had any doubts about the Rams' offense and what they're going to be like, and and Gurley already holding the same amount of touchdowns that he had all last year, and just the same in in just these games that he's that he's played here, the three games that the Rams have played, it's just that's amazing. It shows you the futility that they had well, last year. Not just last year. Go back a ways. The Rams have put up 40 twice this season. They did not put up 40 points at all in their prior 36 games. So you're going back more than two full seasons seeing anything like this. Right, but we're certainly getting the 2015 Todd Gurley at least, so that's that's a plus. And this 2017 Jared Goff, I think he's certainly improving. He's he's proven that number one pick was right, right about now. Let's see when they get into playing the tougher defenses. And if I'm the if I'm the Cowboys, I'm looking at this game. And obviously it depends on what you do on Monday against their division rival there and the Arizona Cardinals, but they're going to come into your house and 
you got to be ready because that that's a potent attack and don't know if the Cowboys have the defense to deal with all that. That's that's a lot to deal with right there. The Higby, the tight end, the Watkins on one end, Robert Woods on the other. If you don't get pressure on Jared Goff, this shows you what he can do. And we didn't even mention Cooper Cup. He had a quiet night. He had a quiet night. Yeah, certainly he was. He had a few grabs that were important. Uh, he wasn't the the big target like he like Goff tried to go to him more in the previous game, but I think he's starting to realize that hey, I've got these array of weapons here. Let's just get throw that deep ball to Watkins, get Woods involved, uh, get. I love the fact that they're using Gurley in the passing game. Much. Uh, just a, a very uh, this is something i've said many times like why as a as a person that that uh, is is close with the cowboys you know cowboys think about using zeke this way in the same form he has the talent he has the pass catching ability to do it but the rams are i, I wonder if they're looking at that greatest show on turf tape and seeing how they can emulate it because they're they're trying at least it's working in the short term. Now let's see if they can keep it up, knowing the teams are going to start to plan against it. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, it's going to be something to, to watch out for in the, in the coming weeks. Who can get a handle on it? It's it, Again, though, that's a lot of weapons. Can, how can you cover uh, for all of that? Uh, I think that obviously the major thing is you have to get pressure on Goff. You cannot allow him to have this free reign like you did. And if you're the 49 not just the 49ers, anybody, you cannot have Gurley run uh, wild or, or get this uh, this amount of yards that he got and, and rip off some big runs like he had in this game. Uh, to be fair, the Rams, again, show vulnerability defensively against the run. Carlos Hyde... Didn't have like these big big runs, but he had a, f- a few that were important. Obviously, the uh, the making the big goal line stand, and then on fourth and goal, allowing him to get in anyway. Uh, that kind of has to be a bit uh, demoralizing on that end. And uh, Moster Breda had a few interesting runs as well. So they did a much better job than they get against the Redskins, obviously. But it's still a vulnerability that you got to watch out for if if you're the Rams D coordinator. Absolutely. I mean, if they can keep their front four solidified like they have been, I wouldn't worry about the linebacking core too much. Focus on your D line, your secondary. The rest of the front seven can take care of itself. And I will say that there was a lot, there was quite a few drops as well uh, on the 49ers and passing wise other than Garcon got to shore that up guys got to shore that up uh, Taylor had one uh, Marquis Goodwin had one Aldrich Robinson had a few that's that's got to get better for for Brian Hoyer who he had times where he was late sensing the pocket pressure and just couldn't get out and 
He's a guy that stands in the pocket and throws it. Um, you got if the offensive line is going to give him time, and obviously it was it was difficult with this defensive line with this front four as dangerous as they are. When you get open and he passes it to you in that window, cannot drop it. Just cannot drop it. And and I thought Tremaine Johnson got got exposed a little bit by Garcon and by Goodwin. So that's something to keep your eye on as well because he's on that franchise tag. He's on the franchise tag, and more and more players are going, or more and more teams are going to be throwing his way. Now, do all these teams to have the consistent talent like? Uh, Garcon and them, no, they don't. But if they're breaking away from you, they're pulling moves, they swatch your arm away, they do whatever, and they beat you repeatedly, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, certainly. And I think overall, again, this is a divisional game. Both teams were up for this Thursday night. You're on national TV. Both teams came to play. This was an incredible game to watch. I think definitely, if you, whether you have the game pass or you're just watching, I definitely think this is one that's really worthwhile. If you sat there and said, okay, I'm skipping this game. It's Thursday night. Who cares? I'd say if you get the chance on that network replay or whatever, watch it. It's it's well worth your time. I, I was pumped by the end. I was like, oh, man, I, I kind of want overtime just because I don't want this game to end. It was It was really good. Uh, some of the turnovers towards the end, you're kind of like, oh my God, really? This is just the football gods wanting this to happen. It's crazy. But yeah, th- this was just such a fun game. Yeah, these Thursday night games now have so much to live up to in the future. Yeah. And, and to think, it would only be the second 10-minute overtime in NFL history. And... The deeper that went, I'd be saying to myself, well, nobody really deserved to lose. So you figure a nice 44-44 tie or a 50-44 win on a big play as a walk-off. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, I hope Robbie Good's not feeling too bad. Tonight, but I think that's going to be something that people are going to be talking about there. But if the Niners start bringing in some kickers, then that tells you something. <laughs> but all right, I think that uh, pretty much covers it. If you you couldn't go wrong with almost anyone on either one of these teams in the skill positions, they they all uh, did pretty well. Uh, so. You know, if you decided to leave one of those guys on your fantasy team on or you forgot to change your team and you had a 49er or a Ram, you did okay. You did okay. So don't uh, don't worry too much about that. But all right, we will be right back with our NFL Week 3 preview, talking about all the games in some form or fashion and also giving you some college Week 4 picks, which, whew, that's going to be uh, one heck of a week. It's either going to go all chalk or it could be crazy. And, uh, yeah, just, just getting you ready for week three that even starts early with uh, the first London game of the year.
The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.